Ayo! What's up, guys? Thank you for tuning in to the fifth episode of the NBN Fantasy Football Podcast, where I talk everything fantasy football to get you guys to that fantasy football championship at the end of the year. I uh, got a good show for you guys today. We're going to be talking about a lot of things. The only reason I, I'm uploading today on Wednesday is because of Tuesday Night Football. That's now a thing. Get used to it. Um, hopefully there's not much more of Tuesday night football because everybody has COVID and stuff. We don't want anybody to have COVID. It causes problems for everybody. Plus, it endangers the safety of the players, the coaches, the staff, and their families. So, don't want anybody getting COVID. So, without further ado, I'm going to go over everything that happened in week five. Then I'm going to tell you how my picks did for comeback season and back of the mind players. After that, I'll recap my teams, let you know how I did and what I'm thinking going into week six. Then I'll get into deuce of the week, cash and trash, stop the cap, and then finally I'm going to end on my waiver pickups going into week six. So without further ado, let's get started. Well, boy, was week five a week to remember in the entire NFL. There was good, bad, ugly, pretty, sad, happy, every single emotion that there is to feel was felt this Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday, and Thursday. forgot about Thursday. But um, we're going to start off with uh, the Atlanta Falcons finally pulling the trigger on Dan Quinn and their general manager, Thomas Dimitrov. Um, Really haven't been getting it done the last few years ever since they went to the Super Bowl and completely blew it. Try not to mention that. The Falcons fans have had it a lot. They've had enough on their plate the last few years. And it really really started when they blew the Super Bowl game. Ever since then, it's been supremely downhill from there. And the owner finally pulled the trigger on those two guys. You fired. So Dan Quinn and Dimitrov are the second of the general manager head coach to get fired in the NFL second to Dan Quinn not Dan Quinn Dan Quinn got fired Bill O'Brien in ten and gosh Houston he got fired last week a couple weeks ago um and it's only a matter of time till other other guys got fired Adam Gase talk about him later Adam Gase Matt Patricia other other guys like that I don't those are the only two off the top of my head that their teams aren't really doing so well and that they could be on the hot seat so other than that um, yeah we're gonna move on to the uh, the Los Angeles Chargers man do they look really good it's re- it's it's pretty unfortunate that they the ESPN put up a uh, a thing on Monday night about how they are just they always lose one score games. They always lose by at least one score. They're like one in like thirteen or something like that. Something outrageous where they just can't win one score games. But they're competing with good teams. Like the they a couple weeks ago they were competing with the Chiefs. They were competing with the Saints. Granted, they don't have Michael Thomas, but 
and I think if Keenan Allen doesn't get hurt in this game, um, the Chargers would have maybe won. I don't know. But Mike Williams ended up putting on a good performance in his absence. And freaking Justin Herbert, proving all the haters wrong, that he is a legitimate franchise quarterback, absolutely stunning everybody and increasing his value. It's It's pretty obvious that he's the starting quarterback in L.A. for the Chargers after Tyrod got basically stabbed by his team doctor. That might have been the best thing to happen for the Chargers, let's be honest here, because Tyrod Taylor is definitely not the future of the Chargers. Justin Herbert is. In my opinion, rookie quarterbacks should play as early as they can so that they can gain experience and play as much as they can to get better and better for the next season and the season after that. Because usually a rookie quarterback's rookie season typically isn't a season where they would compete. It's just a learning process. Get to get used to the NFL, how it feels. And then in year two, year three, that's when you make the huge jump. Like Josh Allen. Like, I mean, I guess Baker Mayfield. Um, and other guys like that. So great to see Justin Herbert playing on like he owns the NFL he's he's been really great um but yeah and so we get on to another outstanding rookie that where the heck did this come from Chase Claypool with four touchdowns on the day for the Pittsburgh Steelers against the Philadelphia Eagles man where did that come from granted Chase Claypool is a great player drafted in the second round the first pick of the Steelers in this draft because they don't have their first round pick because of the Mick and Fitzpatrick trade. But Chase Claypool's looking like one of the best rookie receivers out there in a in a draft that had was that was filled with rookie receivers. CD Lamb, Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs, Jalen Rager, Michael Pittman Jr. He's hurt. Denzel Mims hurt. LaVisca Cheneau. And Chase Claypool is one of those top receivers in the, in the previous draft. So hopefully maybe Chase Claypool can start to um, stay consistent, you know, because that's a really good wide receiver core they have in Pittsburgh. Juju Smith-Schuster, Deontay Johnson, James Washington, and now they add Chase Claypool, who's now probably going to become a regular. We'll see. So, one more positive note, and then we get into the obvious negative note that I want to touch on. But the Washington football team, their starting quarterback, Kyle Allen, went down with injury. Dwayne Haskins was inactive for this game because of some sort of illness. He was demoted from the starting quarterback to the third-string quarterback before this game, but he was not even dressed during the game because of an apparent illness. So that leaving the backup spot to Alex Smith, Kyle Allen gets hurt, takes a hit from probably Aaron Donald, probably. I don't remember. But Alex Smith comes into the game, and he takes his first snap in two years in front of the FedEx field crowd. His wife and family was there. Awesome to see it. And good for Alex Smith. It's on a more human humanitarian note, this is 
awesome for Alex Smith. He almost died from such a catastrophic leg injury two years ago, basically two years ago, two years ago in November. And I was watching a video on ESPN and um, they were saying how uh, the same, it was basically the same conditions on Sunday that it was when he fractured his, both of his legs and his, both of his bones in his leg. It was raining. Um, it was, the surface was slippery and wet. Um, it was at home and a big defensive lineman came up and made the injury. JJ Watt and two years ago and Aaron Donald didn't injure him, but, um, Aaron Donald was in this game. So awesome for Alex Smith, but it sounds like Kyle Allen is fine. So look for Kyle Allen to take the starting spot back from Alex Smith. But you love to see it. Those are just one of those things you love to see. No one hates that. Everybody likes that. So moving on. And the final thing of the recap is the unfortunate, unfortunate Dak Prescott injury. There's a whole lot that goes into this because Dak wanted a contract at the end. I shouldn't say at the end of last season. It kind of yes, but during the entire off season, he was he was he demanded he wanted Mahomes' money. He thinks he could have gotten thirty five million dollars a year. Personally, I don't agree with that. He hasn't really done anything in the playoffs to show me that he deserves that kind of money. Granted, the Cowboys have had superior offenses, and they just can't make it past the first and second round of the playoffs while Dak was there. So, And and it should be taken into note that Dak hasn't had the greatest of defenses, Granted, they've had Byron Jones, they've had a healthy Sean Lee, they've had a healthy um, Van Der Esch, Leighton Van Der Esch, Demarcus Lawrence, but they haven't just they haven't been able to figure it out in the playoffs. They usually win the division in a weak division, for that matter. I mean, the only the only team that can really compete with them is the Philadelphia Eagles, but. Dallas hasn't really done anything, and Dak is a great regular season quarterback and a great fantasy quarterback at that, but he hasn't done anything in the playoffs to warrant a huge money deal. I can see him getting $25, $30 million, and already on a team that pays guys a lot of money. Like, they're paying Cooper a lot. They're paying Demarcus Lawrence a lot. They're paying Zeke a lot. They've had contract problems before. And then in a couple of years, they're going to have to pay C.D. Lamb. They're going to have to pay, I don't know what Dalton Schultz's contract's looking like, but he's looking really good right now for the Cowboys. And so their entire offensive line is also getting paid a lot because they're, they're regarded as one of the best. I don't know how it is now, now that some of the guys have either A, been injured, left, or retired, but... It's really unfortunate to see for Dak because he was playing awesome this entire year. Granted, the Cowboys haven't been. It's just because of their awful defense. But 
now they go into a situation with Andy Dalton and really the whole dynamic of the Cowboys could change. You could probably see more of Zeke maybe because Mike McCarthy wants to shelter Andy Dalton. He's Andy Dalton's clearly not as talented as Dak Prescott, but also Andy Dalton's not a terrible quarterback. He hasn't he didn't really have a lot to work with in Cincinnati. He had AJ Green a little bit healthy. He had um, Tyler Eifert a little bit, but their offensive line really wasn't anything special. Joe Mixon didn't come in until a few years ago, and so they and they drafted Joe Burrow, so they didn't need Andy Dalton anymore because they were, had the number one pick. So I think the Cowboys don't really change that much. I think the offense probably leans more on Zeke rather than throwing the ball all the time. But I can definitely see if I, – I don't think uh, Amari Cooper takes a hit. I don't think CeeDee Lamb takes a hit really. Um, but you never know. And besides, the Cowboys are always playing from behind, like I said, because of their defense. So a lot of higher scoring games, they're going to be throwing the ball a lot more. So I don't know how much this affects the offense, but basically from what I'm researching, what I'm seeing on the internet is that it really could go either way. So that wraps it up for week five recap. And next I'm going to get into how my picks for comeback season and back of the mind did. So to get into start, I'll start off with the comeback season players that I had. So these are the guys that I thought were going to have a better game than what they had been playing. Um, these are guys I thought were going to bounce back uh, and have a better performance so that, you know, they can get their season back on track or get their week back on track. So um, I should really start, like, putting my record of how these things are doing. I don't know why it took me until week five to figure that out. But once I'm done with both, I'm going to combine both for the record and then maybe do separate. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. So I'm going to start off with my comeback season. We're going to do the quarterbacks, two receivers and tight end that I had. And the quarterback I had was Daniel Jones. Now Daniel Jones didn't do so well against a bad Cowboys defense. Like I mentioned earlier, I thought he was really going to do good. And if it wasn't the game to do it, then I, when is Daniel Jones going to get on get get a season going like he's supposed to? So Daniel Jones went 20 for 33, 222 yards, didn't throw a touchdown, but didn't throw a pick, but he did fumble and he added negative 7 yards or he subtracted 7 yards. That sounds more grammatically correct. He took two carries for negative 7 yards and he t- ended up with 8.18 points, which is terrible for a quarterback. The fact that he didn't really manage to do anything against a terrible Dallas defense, I'm starting to have doubts for Daniel Jones the rest of the season. He's probably basically unplayable until something happens. Um, But that cannot be said for his teammate that I mentioned last week. I mentioned that Darius Slayton would get back on track, and did he ever? 
he had eight catches on 11 targets for 129 yards. Didn't have a touchdown, though. And he finished with 20.9 points. Definitely something we're looking to see with Darius Slayton. He's the, the targets are there all the time. He's one of the main focal points in that offense. Now that there's no Saquon for the last few weeks, there's no um, Sterling Shepard. He's been injured. Golden Tate's still there, but how good is 30-plus-year-old Golden Tate? And Evan Ingram is still there. He also had a touchdown, which, surprisingly, it was a rushing touchdown. But touchdown is worth six points in the end, so it doesn't really matter how much uh whether he rushed it or caught it so the next receiver that i had that was supposed to bounce back was tyler lockett tyler lockett had four catches for on five targets for 44 yards and finished with 8.4 points now definitely i'm starting to be a little concerned of tyler lockett granted the seahawks throw the ball a lot russell wilson likes to chuck deep balls to lock it but the emergence of DK Metcalf sort of worries me a little bit basically this big huge body just being able to run fast out muscle defenders for 50-50 balls and uh, being a big target in the red zone has me a little worried for Tyler Lockett granted Tyler Lockett really had two bad games and then the rest of the season he's killed it so I think if Tyler Lockett gets at least a touchdown or two every game or every game or two, something like that, um, he'll definitely be a serviceable player. He's fringe number one receiver for fantasy lineups, but I thought Tyler Lockett would do a lot better versus a pretty, pretty bad um, Minnesota defense. So the final player on my comeback seasons list is Hunter Henry. Hunter Henry had four catches for eight tar- on eight targets, four catches on eight targets for 23 yards, and he did have a touchdown, So, and, and he finished with 12.3 points. So definitely pretty good effort from Hunter Henry, definitely one of his better efforts of the year, best, um, best stats for fantasy this year. It's good to see that him and Justin Herbert are starting to gain a little chemistry there and uh, going into the bye week, so... They have a pretty nice schedule going forward. Uh, Hunter Henry managed to have a pretty good day against um, a Saints defense that's pretty bad against tight ends. We remember how uh, Malcolm Jenkins just got eaten up and spit out by Darren Waller a couple weeks ago on Monday Night Football. So that's what I was anticipating, something to that extent. But he didn't really do that other than the touchdown, but nonetheless... He did pretty well. So that does it for comeback season. So now we're going to go on to the back of the mind segment, the guys that I thought you should watch out for um, going into this week so that you can watch them on uh, the waiver wire period, which is technically going to be tonight into tomorrow. So that's, that's partially the reason why I decided to upload today was to get that stuff out there rather than rather than yesterday excuse me so next so all right so to start off with the back of the mind I'm just gonna reference that I also had Damian Harris the running back for the Patriots and Tim Patrick the wide receiver for the Broncos neither of those two played due to COVID concerns that game will be played next week 
on Sunday. I think it's on Sunday. But uh, pretty good back of the mind segment. Uh, I had guys that really projected to do well, and they did well, except for one guy. But nonetheless, we'll talk about it. So the quarterback that I had was Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy Bridgewater had 27 completions on 37 attempts for 313 yards. He threw two touchdowns, no interceptions, and he also added three yards on three carries for 20.82 points. Pretty above average performance for a quarterback. Um, That's usually what you want to see in a quarterback, and especially if you're just streaming options. Maybe Teddy Bridgewater is someone to consider going, being a backup quarterback for a guy like this week, Russell Wilson's on bye. There's a ton of guys on bye. Justin Herbert's on bye. Um, guys like that that you want to consider maybe picking up and even consider playing him. Because if you have a guy like Gardner Minshew or Drew Brees, I would consider ta- playing Teddy Bridgewater over either of those guys. Now, granted, Drew Brees hasn't had Michael Thomas the last few weeks, so maybe that's the reason why he hasn't been producing like he should, but you can make the argument that Teddy Bridgewater deserves to start over either Gardner Minshew or uh, Drew Brees. But anyway, good performance from Bridgewater, and so we're going to move on to the next guy I had. I had Justin Jackson, who was one of the running backs for the L.A. Chargers, He had 15 carries for 71 yards, no touchdowns, but he did. He was pretty effective in the passing game, adding five catches for 23 yards on eight targets for totaling 14.4 fantasy points. So going into this matchup, now that Eckler was out, I was very curious to see who would take the lead back role, and it looks like it was Justin Jackson. I originally thought that... Uh, Joshua Kelly would take the lead back role playing as Melvin Gordon a couple of years ago like he w- has been the last few weeks. But he hasn't really been effective since week one. So I can understand why Justin Jackson got a majority of the carries and a majority of the playing time over Kelly. And just the fact that Justin Kelly, Justin Kelly, Justin Jackson can add uh, to the passing game and Robert, Robert Kelly, what Joshua Kelly can't really do that. Uh, Justin Jackson is definitely the safer pick out of the two running backs. So going forward, I think after the bye week, going into week seven, Justin Jackson is definitely starting to take over as the lead back. Eckler still got a few more weeks with that hamstring injury. So Justin Jackson, I can say out of the two, is the safer option. Uh, And especially since... He played 59% of offensive snaps to compared to Kelly's 35. So take that for what it's worth. And the final guy on this list is, fun name, Olamide Olamide Zacchaeus. Um, so he didn't have a good game by any stretch of the margin. He had one catch on four targets for 13 yards and ended with 2.3 points. Now, I think the Panthers' secondary doesn't really get a lot of credit. I kind of just assumed going into the season that they lost James Bradbury, and, I mean, obviously Keekley retired. So 
I thought their defensive front was pretty good to begin with. But their secondary and linebacking core, I didn't think really was that good, to be honest. So um, they have really proved me wrong this season. They're actually one of the better secondaries in the league against fantasy wide receivers. So I am apologize to the Carolina Panthers secondary. But um, Olama, Olamide, OZ, I'll call him OZ just because it's a lot easier. Um, he played uh, pretty poorly on the stat sheet, but you can't really blame the Falcons. They they really fell apart, and being that there is no Julio Jones in this game, I thought maybe he would step up like he has been, um, but he didn't. It's a little encouraging to see that he played 90%, 97% of the snaps on offense. Um, he basically played all the time on offense basically and um that was that led the team um compared to Calvin Ridley who played 74% and Russell Gage who played 62% but um again he's probably just a guy just to keep on your radar maybe not do anything just yet but as for OZ he really failed me this week but Ending off, I'm going to say Jones was a failure, Slayton was a success, Lockett was a failure, Henry was a success, the two, Tim Patrick, Damian Harris don't count, so I'm just going to not count them, Bridgewater was a success, Justin Jackson was a success, and OZ was not a success. So I went 4-3 and three this week, which is something I'll definitely take. Um, hopefully next week we can do even better. So that wraps it up for my picks of comeback season and back of the mind. And next I will be getting into how my teams did this past week. All right. For my recap of my teams, I'm just going to start by saying this was not a great week. Granted, I went two and two, but the two main leagues I really care about, they... They did not do well, and it's really, really disappointing because in the ESPN league I'm in with all my friends, I'm 4-1, and one, which is good. Um, I lost to a good team, but the CBS league, man, that's so disappointing. I was Tuesday Night Football killed me because I was winning by, I believe it was 15 I think it was 15 uh, yeah it was like something like 15 14 points going into Tuesday Night Football I didn't have anybody left and the other guy had A.J. Brown and he beat me by 7 so in that league I'm 3-2 and two, and this bye week is going to kill me because I have Russ on bye I have Keenan Allen on bye He's hurt, so I hope he can come back after. Michael Thomas is on by. And I have Jimmy Garoppolo as my backup quarterback. In a league where there aren't many backup quarterbacks available on waivers, I'd probably say guys like Kyle Allen, Joe Flacco, Andy Dalton's now on the top because of Dak's injury. I played Dak this week in the CBS league. I'm 
kind of glad. But I think if Joe Burrow did a little better than 6.1 points, that would that would have gotten me over the top because I had a good game from Ridley. I had a decent game from, who was it, Taylor. Taylor had a pretty good game, Jonathan Taylor. Russ had a great game like usual. Todd Gurley had a great game. Um, I think Keenan. if Keenan Allen didn't get hurt, I probably would have won. Uh, Evan Ingram was my tight end because fans hurt, which, I mean, he had a touchdown, but he didn't really do anything else other than that. Um, I had to play Antonio Gibson at my flex because I really didn't have anybody else. It was either him, Josh Kelly, or Debo, and Antonio Gibson was the best play out of all of them. But what are you going to do? I'm 3-2. and two. I play team that's one in four go uh next week in week six so hopefully i can secure the w because i really need it i just need to get out of this bad bye week as soon as i as soon as possible with not a lot of damage done if i could just get out of it um with a win i'll be fine and that's that's what i'm going to leave it at that I'm probably going to make a couple of moves. I'm not comfortable with playing Garoppolo at all. Uh, Probably pick up another wide receiver because I have Tyler Boyd, Calvin Ridley, and Debo at my wide receivers, and I don't like that at all. So I'll probably be dropping Josh Kelly. Or maybe I'll hold on to Debo a little longer. Don't really know. Kind of need to start seeing something from... Samuel um, with a healthy Jimmy G that'll that'll make me feel a little better about playing him but anyway moving on to my ESPN league I'm four and one now um, I just got killed um, the guy had Mahomes Bridgewater Mike Davis Robbie Anderson um, Mixon who had a good game Waller had a good game it was more about his team played really well, and I think if I had a full roster and some of my guys didn't underperform, I would have been in a much better position because I had three three guys underperform severely, and Dak got hurt. And in our league, every yard counts as the same, so like passing yards is the same as rushing yards in scoring. So Dak getting hurt really killed me. I probably could have gotten 20 more out of him and I lost by like 50 ish. Yeah. But Chark got hurt. He was underwhelming. Justin Jefferson underwhelming and Dalton Schultz very underwhelming. But every other than that everybody did well. Can't really complain there. Kamara didn't go go off like he usually does, but surprisingly 19 points is his lowest of the season. So I I can't complain about Kamara not doing good enough. That's just greedy of me. Um, but I had Fuller sitting on my bench. I didn't feel comfortable playing Odell against a pretty decent Colts defense. Um, and I obviously didn't play Josh Kelly because of my running backs. They're fine. My running backs are okay. Didn't need to. Didn't need to play Josh Kelly. 
I'm probably going to be dropping him soon for maybe another receiver, another running back. We'll see. Um, I'll get into more of who to pick up in my waiver pickup segment. But on the more positive note, one of my teams is 5-0. and I've, I don't think I've ever been undefeated this late into the season, which I'm kind of proud of. But the team that's 5-0 and had a little bit of a scare because the guy I was playing, he doesn't pay attention to his team, but everyone on his team went off, basically. He didn't have Fournette and Julio Jones. He had those guys in his starting lineup. But he had the Ravens defense, who got 25. Allen Robinson got 19. He had Russell Wilson. Dalvin Cook, who went off before he even got hurt, so who knows. I only won by 13. Um, the only guy that didn't really perform like he was supposed to is Kittle and Shark but and James Robinson. But uh, it doesn't matter. I still came out with the victory. I got Adams coming off of bye. I've got... Um, I got Edelman at my disposal. I got Gibson in my back, my backfield. Cam Akers, who's supposed to get a lot more work lately, lately going forward. Um, so that's good. Uh, Kyler's my quarterback. Um, I just don't know how I'm going to do with buys this week. Hopefully we can, like I said, avoid any problems with that. And then, one of the other leagues. I started off 2-0. and I got really unlucky, and now I've won my last three games. So that's that's also pretty well. I've got Metcalf on that team. I've got Anderson on that team. Uh, Clyde Hilaire. I'm not really hot on anymore. Herbert was my quarterback, which is really good. The guy I played is severely unfortunate because if he didn't have Deontay Johnson or Zach Ertz, he could have beaten me. This dude is 0-5, he pays attention, and he might be the luckiest, unluckiest player I've ever seen in my life because he's had Michael Thomas on his bench, Chark on his bench. Um, He's already got Miles Sanders, Bridgewater. um, Mike Williams, he played. He had the Rams defense, had 14. So he's severely unlucky. I think he's just played... A lot of good teams, but nonetheless, I still won. I went two and two this week, but it's a very glum two and two because the most important teams, the teams I'm playing for money and just pride, I didn't do very well in. But I'm five and zero in one league. Hopefully, we can continue that, and that just that just does that that just about does it. I can't believe couldn't couldn't figure out how to say that so that wraps it up for my teams and then after this i will go into my deuce of the week nominees and the winner all right so the next topic i'm going to be discussing is the deuce of the week nominees and the winner if you're new to this podcast uh deuce of the week is um, players that best exemplify worst performance from guys with high expectations and for this purpose for other purposes I guess you could say I disqualify injured players because there's nothing really you can do about getting hurt and you stink you suck whatever Um, but if you play the whole game and you don't put up the stats you're supposed to put up this is your category so 
It's a typical quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end, one from each. And I'm going to start off with the quarterback like I usually do. We're going to start with Daniel Jones, who I mentioned earlier, 20 for 33, 222, no touchdowns, no picks, a fumble, and negative seven rushing yards for 8.18 points. Don't have to continue to beat a dead horse here. Daniel Jones isn't very good. And I had high expectations for him, and he failed me. So, moving on. The running back nominee that I have for this week is James Robinson of Jacksonville. He had 13 carries for 48 yards, no touchdowns, but he also added five catches for 22 yards, and he did fumble, and he totaled exactly 10 points. So a little poor effort from James Robinson, but he's a rookie, so you can probably kind of expect some uh, some miscues, some bad performances, especially from an undrafted rookie, but... Nonetheless, he's still the running back nominee. The wide receiver nominee I have is Amari Cooper from the Dallas Cowboys. He had four catches on four targets for 23 yards, no touchdowns, and he also added a carry for negative two yards. He totaled 4.1 points. And finally, the tight end that I feel like I keep talking about, um, He's a regular occurrence on this podcast, it seems. Uh, It's Zach Ertz. Zach Ertz of the Philadelphia Eagles. He had one catch on six targets, at least that's something, for six yards, and he totaled 1.6 points. So, not a good day for Zach Ertz. And the winner of Week 5, Deuce of the Week, is... Drumroll, please. Amari Cooper. Yay, you stunk this week. No, but... Amari Cooper, um, he's easily a top five, not, I wouldn't say top five, easily top 10 receiver in fantasy. And he just had a bad game, especially with no Dak. The, the, not the Cowboys, the, the Giants were probably just making sure that Amari Cooper doesn't get the ball. Um, and after Andy Dalton came in, they were probably just, um, not focusing more on passing the ball, more getting Zeke the ball, probably just to, like I mentioned earlier, shelter Andy Dalton a little bit. But, I mean, he only had four targets, which isn't really that good. Uh, it was mostly the C.D. Lamb show, like it's starting to be now. Uh, I wouldn't be worried for Amari Cooper going forward. He's still an awesome, awesome receiver. He's, I would say he's easily top 10 receiver not just in fantasy but in the entire league Um, but being that Andy Dalton is now the quarterback will his stats be affected and I'm gonna say probably not I think Amari Cooper is still an unreal receiver and Andy Dalton's not really that bad of a fantasy quarterback he's like the Jameis Winston where he's not really a good quarterback to win games for a team but He's a good quarterback in the sense that if you have the talent, he's going to get the job done in fantasy. So that's what I believe Andy Dalton is. I wouldn't really see too bad of a hit from guys like CeeDee Lamb, uh, Cooper, Dalton Schultz, who had a bad game also, um, but and even Gallup. But Gallup hasn't really been doing anything all year. So that is my Deuce of the Week winner. Hopefully next week he can bounce back um, 
and then Amari Cooper is the winner of the Deuce of the Week. So that wraps that up, and now I'm going to be getting into Cash and Trash. All right, so to get into Cash and Trash, a lot of good performances, not really many bad performances, which we always love to see. Would always love to see positivity, a lot more better performances. But anyway, we'll start off with the cash. We're going to start off with a guy I originally didn't have on here just because I made a lot of this list yesterday before the Tuesday night football game. But it's Ryan Tannehill. Ryan Tannehill went 21 for 28, 195, three touchdowns, no picks. And he also added points with his legs. Four carries for 42 yards and a touchdown, totaling exactly 30 points. This is very positive to see from Ryan Tannehill. Uh, I think his fantasy value goes up in this because he played such a great Bills defense. And he hasn't played a game in over a week and a half. Take that into consideration because he was supposed to play, his Titans were supposed to play the Steelers last week. That game obviously got moved. So. They had to play on Tuesday. And, um, yeah, they didn't have any rust, really. They destroyed the Bills, who've been really good. Their defense has been really good. So, good to see for Ryan Tannehill. The next guy I have on the list for quarterbacks is Patrick Mahomes, a reoccurring guest on the cash list. He went 22 for 43, 340 yards passing. Two touchdowns, and he threw his first interception of the season. Uh, he, too, also added some fancy points with his legs, t- carrying the ball for six times for 21 yards and a touchdown, totaling 29.7 points. Uh, s- surprising loss against the Raiders on Sunday. Um, didn't really affect his fantasy value. He still came out and was the number one quarterback, essentially, before thir- Tuesday night for week five but it's good to see Patrick Holmes playing the way he's supposed to um, the next guy on this list is a little surprising it's Ryan Fitzpatrick Ryan Fitzpatrick went 22 for 28 350 yards three touchdowns and he carried the ball three times for 16 yards totaling 27.6 points a shocking shocking um game for Ryan Fitzpatrick. The 49ers defense is still pretty good even with the injuries that they've had this season. It was really surprising the way the Dolphins absolutely obliterated the 49ers in San Francisco. So I think Ryan Fitzpatrick is somewhat of a consideration for a streaming option going forward. Um, And he might be on a short leash too because they have Tua Tungavailoa waiting in behind him ready to start and all healthy ready to go so speaking of rookie quarterbacks the next guy i have on the cash list for quarterbacks is justin herbert who i mentioned earlier he went 20 for 34 264 four touchdowns no interceptions and he also added eight yards on four carries for 27.36 points great great from justin herbert hopefully after the bye week he can continue this run so the running, the two running backs I have on this list um, is uh, the first one's Mike Davis. Mike Davis carried the ball 16 times for 89 yards, and he was a 
very effective in the passing game, totaling nine catches for 60 yards and a touchdown for 29.9 points. Definitely the big, best game for Mike Davis this season. And like I said last week, you want to start selling high on him because it's only a matter of time till Christian McCaffrey gets back. And the other running back from this game was Todd Gurley. Todd Gurley had an outstanding performance. 14 carries on 121 yards and a touchdown. He also added four carries for 29 yard, four carries, four catches for 29 yards and totaled 25 points exactly. Um, so hopefully this is what we can start to see out of Todd Gurley now. Maybe not so much in the passing game, but hopefully he's starting to get his legs back, starting to recover from that knee injury that he had. Um, and like I said, showing people that Real Todd Gurley's back. He's only 27. He's still got a lot of work to... He still has a lot left in the tank, usually from a running back perspective. But that's neither here nor there. So the wide receiver... The wide receivers on this list may come as a little bit of a surprise because none of them have even been mentioned in this podcast before. Major outstanding uh, performances from each each of these three guys the first one is chase claypool obviously we all know about chase claypool's performance he had seven catches on 11 targets for 110 yards and three touchdowns he also added a rushing touchdown and six rushing yards for 42.6 points hopefully we can start to see a little bit more for that from claypool going forward especially if deontay johnson is hurt because i believe he left the game on Sunday I'm not I know he got hurt don't don't know if he left the game the next guy on this list is a little bit of a surprise no one saw this coming is Travis Fulgham for the uh, Philadelphia Eagles he had 10 catches on 13 targets and 152 yards and a touchdown for 31.2 points kind of surprising but good to see from Travis Fulgham who no one has really ever heard of uh, moving on, the final receiver on this list is Brandon Cooks. He had eight catches on 12 targets for 161 yards, one touchdown, and he totaled 30.1 points. A um, little bit of a shocker from Brandon Cooks, to say the least, um, especially with uh, Will Fuller in that offense and Randall Cobb. You don't really know who the ball is going to. Uh, that's why I bet not a lot of people played Brandon Cooks. Maybe a lot of people in DFS played Brandon Cooks. But something to watch going forward. I'm sure he's available in a lot of leagues, but I'm a little hesitant on Brandon Cooks. And the last player on the cash list is the tight end from the Kansas City Chiefs, Travis Kelsey. He had eight catches for, on 12 targets. 108 yards and a touchdown totaling 24.8 points Travis Kelsey doing what Travis Kelsey should be doing even against a good team against the tight end uh, in the Raiders the Raiders are very good against the tight end with their uh, young safety Jonathan Abrams so that does it for the cash list moving on to the trash list we have a uh, couple quarterbacks a couple res- couple of everything like I usually do but we're going to start off with the worst performance of this week is Jimmy Garoppolo he had seven he went seven for 17 
77 yards and added two interceptions. And uh, it seems like he was benched in the second half because they were just getting killed and his ankle was his still his his ankle was still maybe bothering him a little bit so they just didn't want to risk it anymore he finished with negative 0.92 points so i was considering playing him this week and kind of glad i didn't but the next guy really didn't do any better for me it's joe burrow joe burrow went 19 of 30 had 183 yards passing, zero touchdowns, an interception. He also lost a fumble and added three yards on one carry for 4.32 points. Against the Ravens defense, and being that he's a rookie, he's still going to have hiccups. You better believe it. But I think Joe Burrow is, is going to be all right next game and going forward. Uh, plays a Colts team next week that's pretty good against quarterbacks, so... We'll see how that goes. And the final quarterback I have on the trash list is Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan went 21 of 37, 226 points, zero touchdowns, interception, and he rushed for negative one yard for 6.94 points. Definitely thought he would do a little bit better against Carolina's defense, but it is what it is. So the running backs I have on this list um, might might be a surprise, might not be a surprise. Not not really a lot of bad performances from running backs. Outstandingly bad. I should I should mention that. Um. So we have uh, Jarek McKinnon. Jarek McKinnon. Uh, had one carry for no yards and had two com- two catches for five yards. So he got all of his points from the receiving game and he totaled two point five points. Like I mentioned in the previous episode, you should have started trying to trade Jarek McKinnon as soon as you could because Raheem Mostert is now back and he's healthy again. And so Jarek McKinnon's role is now decreased. The next guy uh, that I have on running backs is Joshua Kelly. He had 11 carries for 29 yards and he also caught one pass for nine yards, totaling 4.8 points. Uh, Justin Jackson is started to take over as the lead back, and Joshua Kelly was highly ineffective in the run game. So going forward after the bye week, look for Justin Jackson to start leading this backfield until Eckler comes back. Kelly is borderline droppable. No, he is droppable, but he shouldn't. He probably shouldn't be on your team anymore. I had high hopes for him, and really didn't turn out which is unfortunate, but it is what it is. So moving on to the receivers, I have Justin Jefferson, who had three receptions on 23 yards, five targets, and he finished with 5.3 points. Definitely expected a bigger game from him, but it was a feeling day for Minnesota in the Seahawks game. So I expect Justin Jefferson to bounce back. I don't really have any problems with him. Probably just a bad game. He's a rookie. It happens to everybody. The next guy I like to uh, talk about is Terry McLaurin for the football team. Yes, the football team. He had three catches on seven targets for 26 yards, and he finished with 5.6 points. I think this is just a result of, A, a new quarterback, 
granted, two new quarterbacks, and the second new quarterback is hasn't thrown a pass in two years. So how much can you really judge off of this performance? Terry McLaurin is still a really good receiver in fantasy. So like I mentioned with Justin Jefferson, I think this is just a fluky game. So uh, I wouldn't be cautious with Terry McLaurin. I don't have my doubts with him. I think he's going to be fine. Being that the targets are still there, I don't have a problem with McLaurin. And the final receiver on this list is Juju Smith-Schuster. He had four catches for 28 yards on five targets and finished with 6.8 points. Excuse me. but that that game was just the Chase Claypool game. Nothing you can really do about that. Um, I expect Juju to bounce back a little bit. Definitely not to. Uh, this is probably the lowest of lows for Jewish, Juju Smith-Schuster. Um, I could see him doing better in the next couple of weeks, being that they don't have a bye anymore. You don't have to worry about that with him. Um, like I said, probably just fluky game like a lot of these guys. So, moving on to the tight ends, the two tight ends I have on this list. One of them is Dalton Schultz, one catch on three targets for six yards, 1.6 points. I think it's just a result that um, the Giants are pretty good against tight ends, I have to admit. Um, But also that Dak was not in the game for a lot of it, a decent amount. So... I don't know how this affects Dalton Schultz going forward. But anyway, the second res- the second tight end I have on this list seems to also be somewhat of a reoccurring guest in every category known to man on this podcast is Tyler Higby. He is, seems severely hit or miss. Um, one day he's awesome, and then the next day he's, what the heck are you doing? This week, what the heck are you doing? He had... Two catches on two targets for 12 yards. And he put up 3.2 points against the football team. I was going to say the R word. Yeah, we don't say the R word. So that wraps up the trash list. And next I'm going to get into stop the cap. Alrighty, so to get into stop the cap, this is just the segment where random guys have random good days. And I discuss whether it's going to keep maybe stay on that track of more good days ahead or is it just it's just a fluke. Um, so I determine if it's cap, whether it's a lie or no cap, which I believe might be something we can start to see a little bit. So I got three guys on this list um, and let's just get started. So. I have running back Chase Edmonds from the Arizona Cardinals. He had three carries on 36 yards uh, and a touchdown. He also added five carries for five carries. I keep doing that. Five catches for 56 yards, totaling 20.2 points. And I think the verdict on this one is no cap. I think Chase Edmonds... One, he's a great handcuff to Kenyon Drake, who really hasn't been what everybody has thought he was supposed to be. He was drafted 
as an RB1 after an outstanding end of the season last year when he got traded to when he got traded to the Cardinals from the Miami Dolphins. Um, but Chase Edmonds is a great passing pass catching running back, so he's very valuable in PPR. Um, he averages usually four to five targets a game, which for a running back is pretty good. And um, and if he gets those red zone opportunities, that's where most of the points are going to come for him because Kyler Murray likes to go out outside of the pocket. That offense gets very creative with Cl- Cliff Kingsbury. So I can definitely see Chase Edmonds definitely picking it up and maybe maybe not 20 points, but he might be pushing for a flex play. You never know. So the next guy I'm going to talk about is an obvious stop the cap player, and it's Chase Claypool. I'm just going to go through stats again real quick. 7, 1, 10, 3 on 11 targets, and then he rushed for a touchdown on 6 yards. Um, the verdict on this one is no cap, but I am a little cautious. Uh, he's clearly talented, but I'm just wondering if this was fluky or not because he's had instances where he's had two catches, but one of them went for 80 yards and a touchdown. Um, so I'm just I'm a little hesitant on starting Chase Claypool right away. He's definitely someone you should think about adding, but I don't know how soon I would play him. I would just have to see how he keeps performing. But not to mention that he has big upside if Deontay Johnson is hurt because then he'll play on the outside uh, with James Robinson on the other side and Juju Smith-Schuster in the slot. But um, something that is positive for Chase Claypool is that he leads Pittsburgh in air yards and average depth of targets. So meaning he gets the deep ball a lot. So the more he, uh, the more air yards he has and the higher depth of target, uh, means he gets the deep balls a lot. So if I, I don't think I've ever explained this before, but air yards is basically the amount of yards that a quarterback throws to a receiver from pass to catch and that's it no yards after catch but how how far the ball travels in the air that's air yards so if a guy catches a 50 yard pass and 15 of those yards is yards after catch 35 yards is air yards you just do 15 or 50 minus 15 get 35 so I will be mentioning air yards a lot more. I'm starting to understand air yards a little bit more now. I was recently introduced it in the summer. Didn't really know what it was, but now I'm starting to research it and understand it a little bit more and how it predicts against, not against, but how it predicts future like performances and stuff like that. So moving on from Chase Claypool, uh, the final guy I have on this list is Travis Fulgham, who I mentioned earlier. He had 10, 152, and 1 on 13 targets. The verdict on this one, I think, is a little bit cap. I think um, this was a little fluky just because no one really no one really expected anybody from the Eagles offense, if anybody, Greg Ward on the outside. 
that's what that was really one of the only names that we knew going into this game because uh, Djax and Alshon Jeffrey were hurt, but it sounds like they're starting to come back. Um, but on Travis Fulgham, Fulgham, I wouldn't be surprised if he went off again before uh, th- those two came back. Um, but he's definitely going to have some competition with Ward and Greg Ward and John Hightower. So uh, you never know. And this is the first week he led the team in targets um, against pretty decent Steelers defense. So you got to give him some credit. He's just a big question mark all around. But I wouldn't be surprised if he did it again, if I'm going to be honest. He seems to be having a little bit of chemistry with Carson Wentz, which is good to see. So, um, yeah, that does it on Travis Fulgham. And that wraps it up for Stop the Cap. And finally, I'm going to get into my waiver wire pickups for tomorrow. So my last segment of the show is where I get into the waiver wire pickups, tell you who you should think about picking up for the next waiver period. And we'll get started with that. So a guy I think you should start thinking about picking up, especially if you have Dak Prescott, Andy Dalton. He's clearly the number one guy for the rest of the year. I don't even know who their third string guy is, to be fair. Um, so, And with all the plethora of options that they have to throw to, I could see Andy Dalton still producing at a somewhat decent level. Definitely not what Dak produces, but I wouldn't be surprised if Andy Dalton comes in as a serviceable fantasy quarterback. So that is for Andy Dalton. Next, I'm going to get into Ryan Fitzpatrick. Keep mentioning him, I feel like. Uh, Especially this week, he plays his former team and the team I sadly root for, the New York Jets. One of the absolute horrible, worst defenses in the entire league. He just lit up the 49ers defense on the road. I could definitely see him do it again. Justin Herbert, he's on bye this week, but after a couple solid performances in the past few weeks, definitely look at him. Take a look at him. Maybe you have another week. Uh, Maybe you don't. If you really need a quarterback, you got guys like Russell Wilson on bye, um, Drew Brees on bye. You know, Justin Herbert might be an option for you. Uh, the running backs, I have Chase Edmonds, like I mentioned before. Um, one guy I haven't mentioned so far in this podcast who could who could possibly be a league winner uh, is Alexander Madison. With Dalvin Cook leaving the game the other night on Monday – on Sunday, he played Sunday night. Uh, Alexander Madison looked really effective for that Vikings offense, and if Dalvin Cook misses an extended period of time with that groin injury, Madison could be a fantasy star to whoever gets him. So, if if I was anybody in the league, Alexander Madison would be the single most number one on my waiver wire pickups he would be the one guy that I'm like I need him just until Dalvin Cook comes back and even still if you get him trade him to the guy who has Dalvin Cook you get more value out of it 
So moving on, the wide receivers, like I mentioned earlier, I mentioned Chase Claypool. But another guy I like that I started to like a little bit is T. Higgins. He started to have a little bit more chemistry with uh, Joe Burrow. He had a decent amount of looks go his way. And now that it's rumored that the Cincinnati Bengals are thinking about trading A.J. Green, that can only mean more playing time for Higgins. I mean, they have Tyler Boyd on the outside, and then they don't really have anybody else. They have Mike Thomas. I don't know really who that is. Auden Tate. Um, John Ross, who's been a scratch the last few weeks. So I like T. Higgins going forward, and I think he could be a sneaky, sneaky pickup to whoever gets him within the next few weeks. And then one guy I'm kind of like, he's a deeper, deeper kind of guy. And it's it may sound a little bit biased just because he's on the Jets, which may, should make you think that avoid him at all costs. It's Jeff Smith. I had no... As a Jets fan, I didn't even know who this guy was at the beginning of the season. But he had 11 targets against Denver. He had seven last week, but he only had like three catches, two, three catches on like 20 yards or something. But he had a fantastic game against Denver. He's getting the looks. um, And against the Miami defense, who's not terrible. They're not bad. But who else do they have to throw to other than Crowder? They just cut Le'Veon. <sighs> they cut Le'Veon. Anyway. Um, I wouldn't pick up Jeff Smith on waivers. Don't waste your waiver spot. But if your wide receiver core is very depleted, I'd look at Jeff Smith either now or in a couple of weeks because he might really pop off. And then a guy I added to this list today who's not available in a lot of leagues only because he's been hurt, is A.J. Brown. A.J. Brown had a solid, solid game last week. Last week, as in yesterday. Um, yeah, A.J. Brown had a really good game yesterday. He's really starting to find his chemistry with Ryan Tannehill again. He was projected to be the number one receiver for the Titans, and it's good to see that A.J. Brown is really recovering from his foot injury that he suffered in week one. So... And then the final player I'm going to tell you about is someone who is a little sneaky, not as really sneaky as Jeff Smith. Cause, no, I would probably say he's more sneaky because Jeff Smith really hasn't proved anything yet. But the guy, the guy I'm going to tell you about is Trey Burton, the tight end for the Indianapolis Colts now. Um, he was cut from the Bears this past offseason and signed with the Colts. He only he started his first game. I don't think he started last last week, excuse me. But um he played a played a decent amount for his first game and then last week he kind of took over as the starting tight end over Mo Ali Cox and Jack Doyle, whatever is left of him. Um but Trey Burton has was second in targets this past week, so it's definitely uh, he's getting looks from Phillip Rivers, and and if he keeps getting his red zone looks that he's consistently been getting over the last few years with the Eagles and with the Bears, eight, uh, Trey Burton could be your starting tight end within a week or two. You never know. And besides, with all the injuries they have, they're only really throwing the ball to T.Y. Hilton. 
and Zach Paschal. I mean, Trey Burton is probably the second or first or second best option on that team. So that does it for the waiver pickups of this week. So that's just about going to do it on this week, episode five of the NBN Fantasy Football Podcast. Like always, if you've made it this far, you've listened all the way through, I really appreciate it. Um, Sometimes it's kind of tough getting out episodes, just the lack of motivation to do it. But I'm really trying to work hard here, uh, get better and better each time, help other people out as much as I can. But that's my goal here. So thank you again for listening and taking my advice. Um, I'm planning on uploading again on Friday, previewing the weekend ahead, recapping Thursday night, and that just about does it. So thank you all again for listening, and have a good one. See you soon. Taking time is over Before you know you're older So sober, alone look You getting my cold shoulder You crying like it's rain You causing all the pain No closure, I'm colder You getting nothing, joker